0: Hello, and welcome to Cookie Pocket, an attempt at a podcast, episode seven. Seven. Hosted by me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have Christian and Zach as per usual. Yep. Um, Hello. So, we're the here. final countdown. Will you let me talk, Zach? Oh, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> Many parts. <laughs> 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 okay, the final countdown was released in 1980. Uh, It was directed by Don Taylor, and it is a... We don't even know what it is. It's a Twilight Zone episode, but (laughs) it's sci-fi historical drama, I guess, um, about the USS Nimitz, which is a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier that finds itself and its crew stuck in the Pacific on December 6th, 1941, with the capabilities to prevent the attack on Pearl Harbor the day after. It stars Kirk Douglas as captain and commanding officer, Martin Sheen as Warren Lasky, who's a systems analyst and civilian observer for the Department of Defense. Catherine Ross as Laurel. James Farentino as Air Group Commander Owens. Ron O'Neill as Dan Thurman, who's the XO, the executive officer. Um, Charles Durning as Senator Samuel Chapman. And Charlie the Dog as himself. <laughs> so, um, either of you can go first uh, concerning your overall impressions of this
1: film.
2: Well, Kristen, do you want to go first? or?
1: Sure. Why not? Let's rip the bandaid off, shall we? Yeah. I'm um, I'm afraid of the reputation I'm giving myself with, with these ratings. Um, Before I say anything, as I was watching the movie and realizing what I thought of it, I was, in my head, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be so much harder than giving one of Zach's films a one out of five, because I could just <laughs> fight with Zach all day, and Zach hates Star Wars, so I can hate his films, and it's okay. And I... Yeah. I I honestly had that conversation in my head and I and I just I was like I I need to be honest about how I feel about the film even if it's completely contradictory to to how a good friend feels about it so yeah all, all that being said I gave it a one out of five I I really did not I was not entertained I was I was bored I I'm sorry but um, I probably enjoyed the changeling more honestly um, it it was rough for me I I. I I felt like it was just like 80 minutes of conversation and like 10 minutes of of some interesting plain stuff and w- right when this this plot of sorts is kind of like reaching a point where they might actually take part in this historical turning point and change the course of history oh no we we time travel back to the beginning and nothing happens and the movie's over it's it's just it's Right when I was starting to care a little bit, I felt like the, the rug was swept out from under me. And and the last thing I'll say is, this is just a personal thing and not necessarily a critical point. But I just I find Kirk Douglas really annoying for some reason. Like I just <laughs> I just find his face extremely annoying. And I, I know that's completely unfair. Oh my god! And not objective. Wow. And not even like taking into account any like allegations or personal things but I just find him yeah. annoying for some reason whatever that may be so I'm, I'm sorry for the harsh harsh reality but um that's that's kind of how I felt about the film
2: all right um well I definitely didn't seem to dislike it as much as Christian did <laughs> but I was also not a massive fan of this movie I think that it has a lot of interesting ideas and it's a story with a lot of potential Uh, Like you said in the introduction Mitchell this sounds this is sounds like a great concept for a Twilight Zone episode and I know that because Twilight Zone did an episode a lot like this where a plane gets shot back into the past Um, But I feel like they don't really do anything with those interesting ideas Uh, they talk about those interesting ideas and Characters bring up some interesting points, but there's really no payoff to those interesting points at any point Uh, at, at points I'm saying points a lot. It seems at times <laughs> as if those ideas are going to pay off and it seems like we're headed towards maybe some kind of a big conflict that will take those ideas into, into, into play. Um, but then those, those potential threats tend to get squashed almost as soon as they start to kind of take off, meaning that for a vast majority of the movie, our, our characters just kind of sit and talk in the middle of the ocean um, and then they go home. Uh, so personally, I was not especially impressed with it, and I gave it a two out of five. Although, um, I will say, I, I don't seem to dislike Kirk Douglas as, as much as as Christian does, but I will say, uh, setting aside any alleged scummy things that he may or may not have done, um, I think that he was a good actor when he was back in his prime, but this movie, I think he's far past his prime and also doesn't have an especially interesting character to play, which is maybe why he doesn't uh, kind of capture the audience as much as he would in one of his earlier films. Mm-hmm. But
0: yeah, right. And and on Kirk Douglas, I, I've I've seen Paths of Glory, which is I mean that's prime. That's literally Spartacus yeah. and Paths of Glory. And um, those are Kubrick. Kubrick. So. Yes, yeah. right. And uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea also. <laughs> um, uh, that's Richard Fleischer. Oh yeah. Um, that that yeah Disney film. But mm-hmm. um. Yeah, that that was certainly his prime. I completely agree with that. Um interestingly enough, he was in the Navy in World War II, so uh oh. it, this is kind of be something he should be able to slip into really easily, but um <laughs> I guess the character that they wrote for him or or you know, I guess they really had very little to write for him. They probably just told him just to be like how you were uh 40 years ago, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um but yeah, uh, I respect both your opinions, and I mostly agree with what you all said, and your impressions are definitely respectable, um, but I would say that there's this movie was created for a certain audience, especially in 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. The, the time that it was released and having this cast, including uh, Martin Sheen, obviously, um, he, he was just in Apocalypse Now. Um yeah having all of that together and the biggest the biggest thing for the for this movie that sets it apart from others is that the navy uh heavily supported this movie with resources and budget and they gave them 48 uh navy personnel to actually use mm-hmm. um they used the actual uh USS Nimitz um which is i think is like the longest longest commissioned uh ship in the navy i think or something oh. like that wow. um all the planes they used were real, all of the practical effects and all of the actual, uh, like, the dogfighting, k- kind of dogfighting sequences, they were all flown by professional pilots. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Zeros weren't actual Zeros, they were uh, AT-6 Tex or A-6 Texans. Yeah. Um, they were T-6 Texans, right, um, from the 70s, those are American planes that they redesigned to look like Zeros. Um, yeah. But the, the, in terms of the practical effects, I think they did an amazing job. Um, they really took advantage of their budget. Um, I think it was $15 million at the time. Um, and they had a lot of support from the Navy. And, and so much support, in fact, that they used the movie poster in recruitment offices for the Navy. Oh, wow. Um, and, and the USS Nimitz in real life, they have this thing called a... Um, it's called a breakaway music. So when they do like, the all hands man main-your-battle-stations thing... In real life, they usually mm-hmm. play music uh, during that time, and now they play the final countdown theme on the USS Nimitz <laughs> for that. So that's oh, kind of funny. Okay. Um, yeah, that's fun. So yeah, and then and then, uh, and then obviously uh, Europe was inspired by the movie to write the, their song, uh, the final countdown in nineteen eighty six. So, um, so yeah, I mean this isn't this was supposed to be released like a summer blockbuster, kind of like it was. It was actually moderately successful in the box offices, but. Um, yeah I think having I think having Kirk Douglas in it is fine. I don't think that that really detracted too much from the overall quality Martin Sheen, I think acting as a philosopher and kind of like the the acting beyond kind of like a civilian observer thing, kind of giving a civilian perspective versus like taking taking on like the navy mentality like we have to fight in the past, present, and future um I thought I personally thought that was interesting. Um, a lot of their dialogue is kind of hard to pick up on and also very hard to pay attention to the first time around. But after seeing this like four times now and I finally seen like the nuanced things earlier, like they have um, Mr. Tideman who actually made develop the ship and stuff in the very beginning. And um, Lasky, Martin Sheen, is like waving and like, OK, he's my boss. I don't know who he is. Um, and and the, the interesting thing about that, uh, this is kind of going beyond my overall impre- impression now, but um, the, the, the interesting thing about that is that they went so far to have that surprise, not really like, kind of like a twist, but more just like a big surprise at the end, like, oh, Mr. Tideman is Commander Owens. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting thing about that is that they had to make so many plot holes to get that to happen. And I'm yeah. kind of using that. I'm I'm gonna use that not only like to play devil's advocate, but also to say that a lot of this a lot of this movie's plot is not meant to be looked into so much. I'm not gonna say that they didn't put so much time into developing the plot, but I will say that it's it's more of a popcorn movie than anything else. Like one third of the movie, uh, like realistically, over one third of the movie is, uh, all, like seeing the tomcats fly around and stuff and the helicopters and seeing the surveillance plane fly over and just seeing different plane stuff. And, you know, that's, that's really what it is. I mean, it's like a military – if you're into military stuff and you're into military hardware, whether you're, like, you know a lot about it or, like, you're a kid, that's the target audience. For a lot of this movie, that's the target audience. And if you don't care about that stuff, then that definitely hurts your overall impression no matter what because they yes. shove it in your face really hard. And even for 1980, like, the average audience member would not totally understand everything. Um, but I, I like the Senator Chapman thing, um, that whole, that, you know, him being really aggressive, there's a, there's diverse personalities, you know, I mean, you have Chapman being really aggressive, you have, like... You know, well, I, I should say that um Laurel kind of fits like the archetype of I'm trying to be a feminist in 1940 and it's not working. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Owens is like, hey, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. I mean that was really that was definitely cookie cutter uh, romance right there. but yeah. once again, yes. I mean, that's not really the point of the movie. The point of the movie is to watch the planes. So um. Well, I- <laughs> Stuff like that, but, but, but yeah. The, the reason why I gave this movie a three out of five is because it kind of inherits its own personality. I don't think it relies too much on breaking, uh, traditional movie, uh, you know, uh, the structure. By, I don't think they go too far with showing a lot of the military hardware stuff because it kind of, it's kind of a the point of the movie. It's kind of a part of it, and um, you know, the sci fi element is not very emphasized too much. And there's plenty of plot yeah. holes in it. Um, but, uh, when, when you really kind of just take the main themes that, um, Martin Sheen's character particularly was kind of putting home, like, are you really supposed to mess with history? And then at the very end, Yellen's like, oh, well, you know, we, we have to take the shit. We have to take the planes back. We kind of, we, we, clearly nature doesn't want us to attack them. So we're not going to. And, um, whether or not that was like the, whether or not that was worth it is kind of the viewer's perspective. I think they kind of. They they could have well I shouldn't say they could have very easily could have just gone after the Japanese fleet and won because that would they could have done that but I mean you know they have, uh, economical limitations and things like that doing that and it doesn't fit the overall themes of the story,
2: mm-hmm. so
0: um but yeah I mean the like the very I mean these are not super complicated themes like the more you know they have different the characters have different perspectives on it and it's really just about what if what would you do in that time period if this happened and you know, Mm -hmm. how, how would you react? And they give a few different perspectives and they take on one of them. Then they decide to go all out Navy and decide to go after him. But the nature's like, no, we're going to take you back. Cause, uh, that's how nature is. (laughs) (laughs) That's the natural, the natural order of things dominates everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And Owens takes advantage of that. As you can see, he's like this, you know, this big rich guy who, you know, um, took advantage of the world over time. And, um, you know, married Laurel, and now they have their dog. So, yes, yes, three out of five from my overall perspective. Um, Is there anything that annoyed you guys, like, to no end, that really made you give it a one out of five or two out of five? Like, something that was, like, besides Kirk... I mean, yeah, besides Kirk uh, Kirk Douglas's face, uh, (laughs) that really bothered you?
2: (laughs) Well, there were a couple things. Um, But the main thing was... I feel like there's no major conflict in this movie. Um, I, I wrote it down, I kept thinking like, oh, this is where we're gonna get into the action. Because you mentioned kind of the point of this movie is to show off the planes and the, and the naval flight procedure. But a vast majority of this movie, the planes aren't even in the air or yeah. not doing anything exciting. They're just kind of parking and maneuvering <laughs> on the aircraft carrier, which is maybe really exciting if you're a naval nut or a military nut. But I am not. So I was like, why am I watching a plane parking for five minutes? Um, And I kept thinking it was going to get exciting and action-packed. So when the dogfight happened, I thought, okay, this is where we get exciting. And then the dogfight ends. And then later in the movie, they capture a Japanese pilot. And I thought, and he kind of takes a hostage and he's got control of this one room. And I thought, okay, maybe he's going to call some more Japanese soldiers to the ship and they're going to take it over and then the crew's going to have to take the ship back. Right. And then that Japanese pilot gets shot. Uh, and that that doesn't happen. Um, and, and then later, they th- the captain, Kirk Douglas, decides, okay, we're going we're gonna to stop Pearl Harbor. We're going to win. Uh, and then the time storm appears again. And instead of trying to fight it, They try to turn, it follows them, and he goes, Well, we tried, and then they all go home. Like, I feel like there's no major conflict. The movie keeps suggesting things that could be big, exciting conflicts, and then swatting them away immediately. Uh, That really frustrated me, because I saw, like, multiple opportunities to make this an exciting, interesting time travel movie, and then they just went, Nah, to every single one of them. Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And I, I do it's not like I don't disagree, but the thing is is that I, I knew exactly what to expect coming into this. That's why I'm saying like if you see it multiple times, it kinda makes a lot more sense. And yeah. I, I I and when you're when you're watching when you're watching it expecting action and, and thinking and the movie kinda I will say I'm not gonna say the, 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 the term <laughs> that people use for when you're being dissatisfied by something that's obviously being shoved in your face that looks it looks like about to happen but doesn't in the end. Um, I guess the, the story, the, the, uh, official okay. literary term would be red herring, I guess, but, um, oh, okay. but,
2: but, but yeah, um, but usually, you yeah, know, I I, 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 usually if it, there are red herrings, there's an actual murderer. There's right. This movie is just nothing but red herrings and there's no murderer. Right. And, and the,
0: the I, I think the movie knows that the movie knows that it's doing that and it tries to get entertainment value out of it and tries to get you to be it's it's a drama. It's a historical drama, not a not a, like a like a war movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I hesitated to call it a war movie because I've seen some people call it that. But it very obviously isn't because mm-hmm. there's very little war. <laughs> All the war is only mm-hmm. being discussed. But it basically says, it basically even, even if you didn't know what happened at Pearl Harbor, they still shove it in your face a million times, which with, with yeah. Christian, uh, I bet Christian did not like that according to his Twitter review. <laughs> um, but they, they, the movie gives you everything to think about and nothing to satisfy you as a result. It kind of is supposed to give you things to think about. And it's difficult to do that when it's a popcorn movie because you're not supposed to be thinking and the movie is telling you to think. But that—that's what I mean. Like, it, this is a very—it's a very targeted audience type thing. Like, you have to know how much you have to care about the movie before you even watch it, and that's—that's that's a problem. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm saying it's okay. a bad thing. All right. Um, but yeah. that is—that is the nature of the beast.
1: I, I would—I just to cut in real quick, I would say I, I agree. I totally agree with Zach on the whole like there's conflict and then it's gone thing. But uh, something that, that I noticed towards the beginning and that was kind of carried on throughout the rest of the the movie was, and we kind of talked about this with a new hope when I asked Zach to talk about sound. And he said that, um, you're more likely to stay engaged with something that has an iffy picture, but good sound sometimes than you are to stay engaged with something that has an okay picture, but terrible sound, Mm -hmm. uh, for Mm -hmm. example. And I, I, um, was just, I I thought the visuals were interesting, like obviously the aircraft carrier is really cool and the planes are cool and and whatever, but um, I just felt like the sound, a lot of times there was like nothing to listen to and there's like nothing going on around you except what the characters were saying and it it just felt like there was a lot of dead air a lot of the time Mm -hmm. Uh, on on an aircraft carrier that feels like it maybe should have been like more bustling or, or just generally... More more things happening around you But a lot of the time it just felt like it kind of fell flat because all you heard were the characters that were talking So that's that's a more technical thing that bothered me. I guess
0: I Understand that too and the targeted audience would argue and say that the jet engines are already enough <laughs> because yeah. well, yes, but and then obviously the the cannons firing off and things like that and um mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the jet engine sounds. I think it was during when the, when the uh, just just after the zeros strafed the uh, the yacht. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like one of them was the director's wife or somebody, or I think it was the pilot of the jet's wife. Uh, they incorporated her screaming into the jet sound oh. <laughs> but but like but like but like as I'm telling you that you know you wouldn't know that I mean and you especially you yeah. wouldn't notice if you were if you weren't anything wouldn't know what a jet's supposed to sound like and things like that and there's a lot of nuanced stuff in here that you would you would, you'd would really have to know certain things to be more interested in it and yeah. Christian mentioned that that could be one of the hindrances and I, I would agree I, I mean when we're looking at this critically and we're trying to go for the o- average audience member um, I would say that that is definitely a valid criticism. Um, but yeah, no, there is dead air. And if you're not interested in the dialogue, then you're basically, you're basically screwed. Like, you're not, you're not going to be... You're not, if you're not interested in the dialogue, then there's no point to be watching. There's no point to be watching a lot of the movie, honestly. A lot of it is carried by Martin Sheen and Kirk Douglas.
2: Since we, met, since we mentioned sound, I did want to bring up... Uh, although I think a lot of the sound in this film is kind of unremarkable i think some of the best sequences in the movie for sound are when they're going through the time storm i kind I of love the time the, the time design the sound design in the time storm mm-hmm. how it's, it sounds at least like it's layered like manipulated sounds of people screaming and yeah. wind added to it I, I really like that so that's one mm-hmm. sound strength for the movie i'd say
1: i second that yeah
2: um
0: what were your guys's favorite scenes or favorite scene of the entire movie.
1: I'll go first to, to give Zach a, a second to think. Um, okay. The time storms were cool, but I, I guess my favorite scene would be when um, it's like when we basically meet Laurel on the yacht. Laurel's the only character. <laughs> I know, I know, but <laughs> she's literally the only character that I cared about the entire time, honestly. Um, really she she was the only one that I found all that interesting and um uh it was it was a mixture of uh sort of depressing and and impressive to hear her like like the second she walks off screen the, the two guys turn to each other and they're like so have you slept with her yet and it's just like oh jeez yeah. right and, yeah that was that was <laughs> so that that I that was like an eye roll moment but i mean th- then you get her like working on the senator stuff and then uh, she like acknowledges that there's this vein of sexism going on here, but, uh, uses it as like, uh, a, a means of, of, uh, emphasizing the quality of her work and, um, how dedicated she is to public service, which to me mm-hmm. is really cool. And i that was an exchange that I found interesting and made me actually care about her character throughout the rest of the movie. And I didn't really get... Any of that with the other characters, and the senator was just kind of shouty. And yeah. you guys already know what I think about Kirk Douglas, so that was another drawback <laughs> for me. But I, I, I thought Laurel was an interesting character, and that, uh, that uh, role was performed well. So I would
0: definitely, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I like, I definitely like, uh, what's her name, Catherine. Catherine oh, yeah, Ross. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Catherine Ross. Catherine Ross is married to uh, Sam Elliott. In real life, she is. Wow. Yeah which is yeah. really funny um <laughs> that's ron from uh parks and rec if you don't know christian the other ron other ron
2: oh yeah yeah he's like yeah. A, a bit character who shows up who's almost identical to ron yeah oh yeah except and then he ends up being the opposite because he's like a vegan and stuff
1: yeah.
0: oh yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um i i not to cut you off from your opinion zach but of uh, your best scene, but um, I, w- I was that that uh, reminded me that a lot of the side things going on are are also kind of it, keep interest. Um, like in the beginning, they mention very briefly, like seconds, like you would you probably didn't even notice it, but they're like they're talking about the ship being in steady contact contact with a Russian trawler
2: mm-hmm. and a Russian
0: trawler mm-hmm. is a spy ship. Yeah. So and then right after they um come back. Um, they go back to those very same, uh, sailors and they, and they're like, oh crap, there's no, uh, there's no spy ship anymore. And then that's when Kirk Douglas is like, uh, let's go general quarters, um, and get ready for attack and stuff like that. So yeah. there's tiny stuff like that. And, um, you know, Jack Benning on the radio, that was kind of, that was kind of funny. The side, the radio mm-hmm. yeah. thing, a low yeah. frequency, uh, stuff. Um, I think that the general buildup as they're realizing that they're in the past and then, um, Yelland is trying to figure out he's trying to figure out what's going on, but he, he kind of keeps wavering back and forth. He's not really sure whether it's it's some type of like weird facade that the Russians are making or mm-hmm. or or it's an actual real thing. And I, I overall I really like that whole um, sequence. I would say that's like my, my favorite underrated sequence of mm-hmm. the film. But Zach, mm-hmm. go ahead.
2: Um, well, I had not really even thought about the introduction of Catherine Ross's character but um, that that is a scene that stands out as good. Although I think over a majority of the film, Catherine Ross is kind of wasted because I like her as an actress a lot. She's great mm-hmm. in uh, the Stepford Wives, the Stepford Wives. Uh, but she's I don't think she's used that well in this movie. But if I had to point out a scene that I think would probably be my favorite, it would maybe be when the uh, when the yacht is is shot down. Uh, just because. The, the director of this film, Don Taylor, kind of had a reputation as being a workman-like director who shot things so that they were in the frame and got the movie done as quickly as possible. Uh, and you can kind of see that in a lot of the other movies that he made during his career. But I think all of his movies have like one or two scenes in them that are actually filmed in a kind of interesting way or a kind of daring way. Um, and I think a lot of the shots with sort of the camera strapped to the wings of the planes as they swoop down in that scene really work and give it kind of a, a, more dynamic feel that the rest of the movie kind of lacks. So that'd probably be my, my favorite scene.
0: Yeah. And one of the, it's funny, one of the sequences, one, one of the Tomcats was, uh, li- uh, lifting off from one of the care, uh, uh, from the carrier. Um, I have a lot of coffee. That's why I'm jittery right now. Um, but <laughs> when, when the Tomcat was leaving the carrier, the afterburn, uh, I think blew up or something. One of the knocked over and like destroyed one of the cameras.
2: <laughs> so it, they had I to read use about one, that. Yeah. Yeah. So they had to use it one sent of the, the different... crew sprawling down the, down right. the carrier apparently.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they had to use like a different shot of that, but I thought that was interesting. And yeah. I will say, um, as a good reference for practical effects, uh, the thing, um, it's easy to relate. It's easy to relate. to those practical effects, because it's kind of like inhuman, so, like inhuman type, uh, gore going on you know and, and you know if you're really young like super young I'm just going to use this as an example like don't take it to heart a, a young child watching the thing but um, <laughs> y- if, if you're very uninformed about that type of thing the child would be like oh this is like a one out of five and this is like because yeah. the effects are stupid and it's not you know uh, they don't look as good as things now right but I will Maybe. say uh, I'm not done yet Zach I'm not oh, okay. done yet but with this movie it's kind of the same type of I would say in that if you don't care about like, if you don't care about the things, practical effects, you're really missing a lot of the core moments in the movie that make them so great Mm -hmm. Um, outside of course, the acting and the plot and things like that in this, it's a very similar thing where if you don't care about the actual Navy stuff, then you're really missing out on a lot of what makes the movie great. And that is, that is a purely opinion is purely subjective I'm not saying that anybody's wrong for not understanding that, but um, that is what the movie is trying to achieve, and that's what I rated it on.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, if we're talking about like uh, how much the practical effects weigh in on my overall assessment of the movie, I, would, I mean, as far as the thing goes, I can acknowledge that the practical effects are, are impressive, but mm-hmm. I I don't ever actually believe that... I mean, setting aside the fact that the thing is a fictional creature, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I never actually uh, take what's going on uh, in front of me as real. Whereas in, in some other films, I can accept like supernatural science fiction type things because they look so real. But in mm-hmm. the thing, I, I kind of know the entire time that it's not real just because of the nature of it being a practical effect. It yeah. t- doesn't look as real so I think, mm-hmm. I think there's a way in which you can acknowledge that those effects are good and uh, even given the time and the setting that the film was made in without necessarily uh, like uh, criticizing the effects because they don't actually look real, real life in, in terms of mm-hmm. how realistic they are, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Right. I mean, I... I don't want to take us down a, the thing rabbit hole, um, <laughs> because I, I will defend that movie to my dying breath.
1: Well, I, um, I But,
2: yeah. yes, yeah, I personally think the effects in that really hold up, because they're, like, actually there on set, and you can tell they're they're interacting with the actors. But uh, a scene in this film that kind of involves a lot of the naval stuff that took me out of the rest of it, that I think that just occurred to me as actually being pretty good, uh, is... There's a sequence where jet's coming in too fast or the hook is broken or something like that. Right. I'm not aware of all the terminology, and they've got to get out the net to catch it. Mm-hmm. I will say most of the naval scenes in this movie, with all the technical jargon and all the processes and we're running out and we're going to do all the technical aspects, most of the scenes like that in this movie took me out of it. But that scene, I thought, actually did a good job of creating this tension of, oh, is this jet gonna land properly? Is the net gonna work? Is like I, it really did create that tension and kind of drew me into the movie, uh, which many other scenes did not do. So I'll, I'll give that scene some some applause there.
0: Like the like the sexual comments during the refueling sequence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but that, that, the thing is, once again, that's that's not they didn't just include that just for the hell of it. That was like an actual realistic thing that happened. And I, I, I do agree. It, it can take you out of the movie if you're not if, if you if you haven't already acknowledged that that's going to be a present thing for the entire mm-hmm. time. Um, but yeah, they're like talking about important plot points. The fact that they're stuck between, you're stuck just the day before the day of infamy, like the big invasion of the U S you know, and then you see that happen and you're like, what does that have anything to do with anything? You know, and they're like, they're just showing off, they're just showing off the jets. I mean, you know, it's, whether it takes you out of the movie or not is entirely up to you, but, um, you know, just seeing y- 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 there's going to be, you know, they're thinking of, like, the, the supreme military people that are like, why did the jets refuel the entire time? They've been flying for, like, 19 hours and <laughs> they fly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're refueled. But, I mean, it's just, you know, like like I said, the movie knows that's what it is, so it goes for it. You know, it plows yeah. ahead without thinking about too much of the damage behind it. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I would, I'm not necessarily opposed I mean, like Zach said, I think the the plot and a lot of the ideas that they lay down are very, very interesting, and if they, I, and this this is definitely probably a black mark on the historical accuracy note of things, but if they were to remake this movie, where this entire movie was like the first thirty to forty five minutes of of a actual time travel movie where like battles occur and, and things are resolved. Then I would yeah. probably thoroughly enjoy that movie. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of really interesting ideas. It's just, I, I feel like it's, and and like Mitchell's saying, it catering to a specific audience is is fine. But I think that uh, that gets even more confused when you try to make it a, a time travel popcorn movie, so to speak. And and my mm-hmm. definition of a popcorn movie, at least, is something that has less dialogue and. and thought attributed to it like i would i would call like a superhero movie a popcorn movie where you just Mm -hmm. you go and you 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 watch interesting battles and batman speaks in a low voice and you have fun (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i I guess that that might just be another difference in definition but i mean i like the ideas so i don't totally hate it
0: i do agree and the reason why i agree is because the, the a popcorn movie to you is very much like basically it has to have action in it or something that is in it like in and of itself fundamentally mind numbing like you don't have sure. to we don't have to think about what's happening and mm-hmm. in this there are two different there are two major things that happen for 90% of the movie dialogue and cool navy stuff yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and the dialogue can be interesting at times and it is, like I said, it's, it's, there's a lot of like, you know, you you can think about it a lot more or think about it a lot less or just take it for what it is. Mm -hmm. And you can lose interest in that up. Like I said, it depends on the audience member, but Mm -hmm. you know, and the same thing with the Navy thing. I mean, you can, the more you know about the Navy stuff, the cooler it's going to be inevitably, Mm -hmm. or like the more, or thinking about star Wars, the more, you know, about, you know, the background behind stuff, the, easy, the easier it is to be interested sure. in it, you know? And, um, you know, histor- I think there is some relation between historical background and kind of like, you know, a built sci-fi universe, fictional background.
2: Yeah. yeah, um, I, I, I would it, just like I
0: said, it's entirely subjective.
2: The, I would just say, the, the way, Mitchell, that you're kind of describing the movie it leads me to believe that you sort of interpret this as a film that's intended as more of a think piece, that maybe had more popcorny stuff added to it to try to appeal to summer audience. And that just makes me think, well, if it's meant to be more of a think piece about the consequences of potentially altering Pearl Harbor, why does it need to be a big-budget Hollywood movie? Like, I feel like if that's what you're trying to get from this film is cool naval stuff and a discussion on potentially changing the outcome of Pearl Harbor, why not just get two historical philosophers to have a debate and then play naval stock footage over it? Like I, I feel like that would fulfill the purpose that you seem to be uh, implying this movie was going for, without kind of trying to throw in these action beats that don't necessarily go anywhere, um, and the time travel narrative that ends up feeling kind of superflu- superfluous.
0: Yeah, I you know. I, I, I definitely I can take that. I understand that. <laughs> but, but like, but like you know, I, I'm. I don't think they're trying to make it... I, I don't think they're trying to go for that. I don't think they're trying to destroy the box office and try to get every single person to go and see this, mm-hmm. um, necessarily. Um, I think that it, it, it went for what it was trying to go for. I don't think it was trying to take itself too, too seriously. You know, this is like post-Twilight Zone perspective of time travel, pre-Back uh, to the Future kind of perspective of time travel. So um, there's not really a super defined, you know, best... Possible movie that regards time travel, I guess, besides Star Wars, <laughs> technically. But uh, you know, um, I guess there's no traveling in that. But uh, I guess I, sh- I I shouldn't go down that rabbit hole. Light skipping. Um <laughs> <Lightspeed> skipping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah. Right. Uh, um, no, I, I I understand that, Zach. But I mean, I, I don't. I, I just don't see how they could have. I don't. I don't see how they could have made this movie any more than it actually was without going for a different. Going for a different purpose. I don't think it was trying to be anything more than it actually was um and i think when martin sheen's trying to explain to uh kirk douglas how everything how everything should work and what's the best course of action and then you have the other other uh uh, two naval officers you have owens and um the executive officer thurman uh just discussing different ways of how to approach it and then the captain who's the overarching authority on everything is decides what to do and that's kind of like the formula they generally follow and I think that's pretty much the deepest that the movie actually gets. And I think that's the deepest that the movie has to get philosophically. I don't think there's anything more that should be taken other than from what they say. That's kind of mm-hmm. what I meant by like a popcorn film in terms of dialogue.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. I mean, that, the discussion that you're alluding to between, uh, I can't remember any of the characters' names, but Kirk Douglas's <laughs> character and, and Sheen's character and the two other guys. I, I found that conversation interesting. And, uh, and this, this idea of ethics and what is more morally acceptable between stopping Pearl Harbor or saving the senator or altering the course of history for better or for worse. And uh, how much of that can you actually control? What, uh, just first what changes and whether the changes are good or bad, even mm-hmm. if the, the thing that you are doing is good. If it leads to more bad in the future, then is that on your hands? I don't know. That's an interesting conversation. But like Zach said, it just it's tricky because it's really interesting for, for the minute where they're having that conversation and then any sort of conclusion that any of them individually reach, even if they all disagree at that time, we never really get an idea of who was right or who was wrong or how any of their uh, versions of handling the events that they're presented would have gone because we just go back to the beginning. So it's it's an interesting conversation, sure. I'll give it that. But I I don't know if that conversation and the naval stuff merits a 90-minute movie if it doesn't get resolved, mm-hmm. I guess.
0: Right. I, and, I th- and the thing is, is that it's supposed to be more like the audience member decides <laughs> but then okay. but then like i said it does it does sound kind of contradictory when i say that and it's also like you're not supposed to think about the dialogue too much but it kind of le it leaves seeds that you're supposed to care for you're supposed to water and and give sun to you know what i mean sure. like it's not something it gives you things to think about and that's it and it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't leave you super satisfied at the end. It kind of gives you a little twist with Owens if you even cared about him, which he he was an OK actor, by the way. I don't yeah, think he was he like was, he, was solid. He, he, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't he wasn't he pretty much did what he was supposed to James Tarantino. But um, I think this is like his biggest film he's ever in. Maybe, <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, you have the dog recognize Laurel and stuff. I mean, that's hey, nice. And, and like, you Charlie. know, it's like, hey, you know, you finish the movie <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. You know, and, that, and it's like, you know, you know, you know it's, it's not like something you, you overthink about the movie itself, but you think about the themes and the, you know, the possibilities that it poses. And we have to think about it like that, especially in 1980, because, you know, representing time travel on, on screen is more of a newer, it's on the newer side of concepts than on sure. the older side of concepts. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it has been absolutely overdone a zillion times since then. Mm-hmm. So it's harder to look at, the, look at it more critically from that time period.
2: Yeah, I, I think to make this version of the work of the, of the movie work more for me, I think if they had just, if Kirk Douglas had decided, okay, we're going to try to outrun the storm and they'd actually tried to outrun it a little bit more, but it had caught mm-hmm. up with them and pulled them back into the past. I think maybe this version of the movie would have worked a little bit more mm-hmm. for me. It, it really bugged me that they tried to outmaneuver it once and it followed them And then Kirk Douglas decides, okay, we'll pack it in. Um, I I thought if he had tried to outrun it and failed and then had been left with that, like, what could we have done if we had been able to outrun it? If if the audience and the characters had been left with that question, um, I think it maybe would have had more of an impact on me. Because as it is, we're kind of left with that question, but the characters did sort of give up. Uh mm-hmm. so it feels a little bit it feels a bit more like the characters are kind of satisfied with the way things turned out and we're not really left with those those itching questions as much as maybe the filmmakers want us to be.
0: Right. Well, um do any of you have any final thoughts?
1: Um I I think if I if I were to rate a movie uh on given the out-of-five actual rating in terms of my critical opinion of it and a separate rating about the potential, I would give this movie a higher rating than The Changeling in the potential category. I think the conversations yeah. are interesting. I liked Laurel's character. I liked the dog. I like oh, what bits of, of combat and conflict that we see. But I was really, really frustrated and or bored for most of the movie because so, so little gets resolved and like I said just about Kirk Douglas earlier I, I don't I didn't feel like he was that good of a leader he felt flustered by having civilians on his boat and he doesn't really do a lot of constructive things at least in my opinion so I don't know it just kind of felt like there were interesting conversations that don't get resolved and interesting ideas that don't get explored enough for me so one out of five for me
2: hmm I would say it's a movie with potential, as you mentioned a couple times. Um, but I don't necessarily know if I would recommend it. Uh, if, you're, if you're in the Navy or are thinking about joining the Navy or are a big fan <laughs> of, of, of naval and military history, you might get a kick out of it, um, out, of, out of seeing all the, the naval technology and strategy. But I think for somebody like me, who's not as connected to those things, uh, this movie will probably be quite frustrating because uh, it presents a lot of interesting ideas and then doesn't do much with them. Uh, and as as Christian implied earlier, I I would say this would probably be uh, decent ammunition for, for a modern remake. I think you could do a lot with this concept and with these questions to entertain a modern audience that the older film doesn't quite do. I like Kirk
0: Douglas. Okay. I (laughs) I liked it. When I saw passive glory, that was, that pretty much did it for me for, Mm -hmm. for him. But, um, I, I really, when I first, like I said, when I first saw this, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of curious as to what was going on and I liked the Navy stuff and that was pretty much it. I wasn't really looking at it too critically. Um, the past couple times after watching it with family and also having like certain discussions about it and having uh, you know a good time trying to figure out what would we do in that situation mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and like you both said that's great potential and especially what uh, yeah well, I think you both agree um, for a remake um, I think I've seen a lot of reviews saying the same thing um, for today and adding a lot of the the uh, you know taking care of a lot of the criticisms you guys post um, but I'd say, as I've repeated already, I think that it is meant for very certain audiences. Um, I would say if you like a lot of navy stuff and a lot of navy policy and procedures, and especially if you like the Nimitz, because the Nimitz is a great is a great boat. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, and and you and you are generally fond of Kirk Douglas and Martin Sheen. Like, if you seen? Uh, I think it's The uh, West Wing. Martin yes. Sheen is known for that. Um, yeah. And if you like, you know, yeah, if you like Kirk Douglas and the Stanley Kubrick films, then those are great casting. And of course, uh, I think for, um, I think for uh, Catherine Ross, she's, that's definitely an interesting cast for her. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't seen anything else she's been in, but I know she's been in a lot of things and she's well known now. Mm -hmm. Um, um, But yeah, uh, I think the casting is pretty good. Um, It could, I guess it could have been better, but at the time it was an ensemble cast. Um, Yeah and uh if you like general sci-fi vibes mixed with a lot of military strategy and a lot of reliance on that um and you have general interest in kind of like the discussions that they talk about like if you like that premise i think that they approach that premise very well if you like the premise that they are going back in the past they have the potential to stop this huge invasion that's really important and if you like that then i think that they accomplish that very well um But uh, beyond that, if you're expecting anything more, if you're expecting, like, a huge action sequence to follow or um, if you don't mind a lot of the dialogue and a lot of the naval sequences um, that take place, then I could recommend it to you. I wouldn't recommend you seeing it multiple times, but I think, like, once or twice, (laughs) Um, just so you could say that you've seen it. Um, But, yeah, I I really enjoyed this movie. There's a lot of things that I would enjoy that, like, 90% of people would not – but I tried not mentioning those things. And there's actually a lot of things in here that I did not like that they did incorrectly, um, in that regard too. Um, but, but yeah, um, it's a 1980, uh, sci-fi movie that kind of feels low budget in some areas. And then it also has the Navy in it. So (laughs) that, that was, uh, that's the final countdown. Christian, would you like to introduce your sequence? Is
1: it time?
0: It is time. For the rundown?
2: The final rundown. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah. Final rundown with a question mark? (laughs) No, no, we're far from done with this. But um, (laughs) here's the premise. If for some reason you, you still don't know what this segment is, we get one minute, we throw a bunch of words at Zach, and he gives us a rating out of five for each phrase that we throw at him. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to set the timer for 60 seconds, and uh, I'm going to ask Mitchell to start. And uh, are you ready, Mitchell? Yeah. Three, two, one,
0: go. 80s men hitting on 40s women. Two out of five.
1: Einstein proving that time travel is possible in theory. Uh, Four out of five. Planes. Three out of five. Discussing what the audience already knows for 10 minutes.
2: Uh, Two out of five.
0: Screaming time storms.
1: Three out of five. Big band jazz music on the airwaves.
2: Three out of five.
1: Getting knocked out with a helmet on.
2: Two out of five. One, two, three May Wests. Two out of five.
0: Sexy refueling sequence. Uh, two out of five.
1: <laughs> the dog surviving.
2: Three out of five.
0: Forties men disrespecting forties women.
2: Uh, two out of five.
1: Captains on the bridge. Three out of five.
0: Captains off the bridge. Yeah, two out of five.
1: Katherine Ross as Laurel Scott. Three
0: out of five. Standing around in a blue bathrobe. <laughs> two out of five. Yellen
1: preventing Chapman from moving the plot forward.
2: Yeah, two out of five. One second. Old people make up. Time. Two out of five.
1: Time. Yes. Okay, oh, wow. We, did it. we just
2: scraped it in there. <laughs> we did the thingy thing.
1: All right, boyos.
0: <sighs> That's the rundown. It is. Uh, I'm. I'm going to thank you guys for watching this. Um, yeah. I wasn't fully, I didn't know exactly what you guys were going to think of it, um, but I'm glad that I let you kind of, I didn't try to guide you in any one direction. I kind of just mm-hmm. wanted to see, you mm-hmm. know, I haven't really gotten like a general opinion um, from normal people, except you two are not normal at all. Um, but <laughs> you, know, you. you can get, you get what you get yeah. and you don't get mm-hmm. upset. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, I appreciate your guys' opinions on it and uh, the army's better than Navy. So army mm-hmm. beat Navy. <laughs>
1: All
2: right. All right. This Shall I introduce...
0: Cookie Pocket, now Zacho.
2: Yes, okay, all right. Um, so since Christian got his back-to-back Star Wars yes. episodes, he's still serving his time. Yes. Uh, and he's taking a week off, yes. or an episode off, rather, uh, from his selection. Right. Um, so I am choosing our, our, our film for next episode. And next time we're going to be talking about The Abominable Dr. Fibes, which mm. is a comedy horror detective film from the early 70s starring vincent price uh it's a very odd little picture and i'm i'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about it so.
0: particularly this. christian one out of five
1: over here <laughs> oh jeez i don't like Just this kidding. reputation i like movies
0: no <laughs> no oh god okay now this has been cookie bucket mm-hmm. an attempt at a podcast I'll see you all on Friday.
1: Aye, aye.